Chapter 6, Naboo The Gungan Wanderclass Jump Freighter and the Dewey emerge from hyperspace above Naboo. A message appears on the monitors from an encrypted Gungan channel. Pulse to full speed. Following our lead. Have use weapons primed. Our ski beetle was heavily damaged getting off of far speed. Risa may not best able to take way more abuse. Whatever happens to us, you must get so to Changwa. The Dewey speakers crackle and emit a hail from the Imperial ship. This is Imperial Corvette Long Arm. Wander class, what is your cargo and destination? Tumtum replies over comms. Weza have special cargo per long arm. Wander class, you will power down now or we will fire. How rude! Wisa have special surprising and a big boomer. Another message appears on the Dewey display. Wisa should make a new moving palace. If these are our last in run, may Wisa pull the glory of a free Naboo. May the force be with you, sir. As they finish reading the message, the Gungan ship banks and accelerates towards the Imperial Corvette. The short-range radar pings loudly and a squadron of TIE fighters is spotted approaching from behind the Corvette. TIE Group Omega, pick up the Wayfarer-class transport. We will deal with our insubordinate Wander-class jump freighter. The Gungans continue to accelerate towards the Corvette as its dorsal quad cannons spin and begin firing at the brave Gungan ship. The nimble Wander class is able to sharply bank away from the salvo. As the Gungans close on the dorsal side of the Corvette, they release a ball of plasma from their hold. The Wander class freighter pulls up and away as a blast followed by an expanding blue ring of light erupts along the top side of the Corvette. Fractal arcs of electricity course through its hull, paralyzing the Imperial warship. Its guns stop firing and it begins to drift off course. The Wander-class engines pulse and it banks over and away from the Corvette. At that moment, two TIE fighters erupt from just behind the disabled Corvette and move quickly to close on the Dewey. Ted punches the accelerator and repositions above the impotent Corvette, gaining an angle on the TIEs. Reaching up to the gunnery controls, Ted fires the front cannons as the TIE squadron screams by. As he banks, there's a terrible clanging heard from the aft of the ship. Vod responds, running back to discover the starboard engine mounting has loosened in the previous firefight, and the fuel injectors are rattling violently. He strains with all of his might and bolts the mounting into place. As the engine stabilizes, the ship suddenly lurches off course and Ted fights to regain control. Buck finishes calculating a firing solution for Ted, giving him an angle of attack. Roquan tosses his cloak aside and scrambles back to the ship's shield projector generators, trying desperately to balance their defenses. The TIE LNs curve around on the flank and unleash a withering barrage of fire. The laser blasts track across the back of the Wayfarer's hull as they scream by. Sid jumps into the co-pilot seat to help Ted maneuver while Vod hops on the aft cannons firing the quad guns. In a shower of sparks, one of the TIE's wings is blown off, sending it sparking and spinning into the darkness of space. Over the comms, they hear the pilot screaming for help as his cabin depressurizes. Ted pulls his freighter around towards the escaping tie, releasing another salvo of fire from the dorsal quad cannon. The laser fire tears into it, stripping off some of the hull. The bulbous body of the tie is spewing a trail of sparks, showering over the Dewey's cockpit windows. Ted yanks the ship to starboard, narrowly missing a collision with the tie. 
Looking out the port window, Ted sees the panicked TIE pilot struggling to control his burning ship. He is grateful that he cannot see the fear on the Imperial's helmet-covered face. Roquan attempts a reroute of the ship's power, trying to relieve the high-frequency wobble that recently started reverberating through the ship. His mechanical ineptitude only makes things worse. Buck straightens his bolo tie and furiously begins trying to scan the disabled Corvette's weapon status. The screen returns information describing a standard CR-90 Corvette with no special mods, and it appears that the Imperial's engines have also just come online. The Imperial Corvette repositions and directs its bow at the Dewey. Over the comms, they hear the captain shout, For the Empire! As the sublight engines kick in, attempting to ram the Dewey. The angle of the Corvette's approach is askew, and it spins past them, helplessly. However, the real threat is the remaining tie that is circling back on them with its scorched hull. Sid Dodd exclaims, I don't think we can take much more, even if that tie, we need to brace for impact. The rebels brush him off, focused on the finishing the fight. Buck solves a firing solution on the fleeing tie as it bobbles closer. Vod sends another salvo with the front cannons. The blast strikes true, completely obliterating the tie in a ball of imploding fire. Roquan struggles to redirect the shields to the aft where the Corvette is pivoting, but his shoddy wiring causes the lights to momentarily flicker on the ship. Ted yells back from the cockpit, Forget your electrical work, Roquan. The Corvette is disabled. We just need to get out of here. Although he is unable to see where the Gungans fled, Ted plots a course towards the planet below. Their ship levels out as they descend through Naboo's atmosphere. There is a brief moment of calm before they are buffeted by the upper layers of Naboo's oxygen-rich troposphere. Below, immense green forests emerge through the clouds. They speed over the planet's surface as seas, waterways, and mountains emerge amongst the verdant carpet of chlorophyllic organisms below. The lush planet is brimming with life on a level that none of them have seen before. Ted announces their descent over the ship's systems like a commercial pilot announcing arrival onto sacred terrain. Hearing Ted muttering about finding a safe landing spot, Vod recalls the goggles that he received from Tum Tum. He rummages through his pack and hands Ted the rose-colored scanners. Looping them over his head, Ted discovers that the binocs reveal a distant hexagonal column of pink light beaming up from the planet's surface. He pulls the goggles off and realizes that the pink column is an augmented reality guidance system. Clever he mutters. Pulling the rose-tinted crystalline goggles back on his head, he heads towards the blinking landing column off on the horizon. As he draws closer, he's able to appreciate the immensity of the gigantic trees that surround a clearing centered around the column. Ted skillfully guides the Dewey over the top of the pink hexagonal landing column, just skimming over the tops of the tallest trees. He pulls in the center of the column of rose-colored virtual light and gently lowers the Dewey. As he drops through the towering canopy, Ted begins to fret about the enormous branches that could crush the already damaged hull. Ted increases power to the landing thrushers, slowing the descent. In a blur, the treetops below shudder and disappear. As he lowers the ship, they realize the trees are actually a projected illusion. The enormous towers of real trees rise on all sides as they continue to drop hundreds of meters through the canopy. Ted gently sets them down onto the Naboo soil. As the landing gears vent, Vod immediately gets to work and picks up the feed bales from the cargo bay, hauling them towards the exit ramp. They all begin to feel a rhythmic shaking through the ground. From the cockpit, Roquan looks up and sees what appears to be tree trunks rising and descending in front of them. And moving closer, the tremors through the ship grow as the trunks thump ever closer. From the ramp, Vod cuts the bales loose and tosses the hay as far from the ship as he can. From out of the forest mist, two large fambas emerge. One lowers its head and emits a low, bone-melting bellow before it begins to eat the presented feed. 
they appear to be dragging a green energy field behind them. As the Fambas move forward, walking past the Dewey to eat, the field of greenish light projects up and over the ship. Eventually, they wander off into the woods, the Fambas in single file, trumpeting and leaving behind a net of illusory camouflage. Ted and Buck begin pushing the hover sled stacked with backed containers out the storage bay. They try to follow in the path of the Fambas, but get hung up in the woody vines and unyielding large fronds. Roquan grabs the horn from Vod's pack and blows three times. Ahead, the Fambas look back over their shoulders. They snort and ponderously move their heads forward, indicating for their guests to follow. Ted suggests leaving the ship behind and following their massive guides. As they venture forth into the Naboo flora, Ted looks back and notes their ship appears to be covered in a camouflage of moss, rocks, and plants. As they follow the lumbering forest guardians, the beasts give somewhat of a deep chuckle. They hear the sound of water in the distance. The forest eventually clears, and before them is a rapid and dangerous appearing mile-wide river. To their left, the flow appears to drop off the side of the planet in an enormous waterfall. Vod leads the way along a path closer to the cascade. The gigantic fambas give one last bellow before they depart back into the forest. From the riverbank, Buck spots three stick-like structures, almost sculptures, at the edge of the water. Didn't Tum Tum say something about watchers in the water and sounding the horn? Buck asks. Roquan raises the horn to his lips and blows three times. They stare apprehensively at the smooth surface of the quickly drifting water, contemplating its calm speed and then sudden drop into enormity. They are lost in the sound of the water falling, an equally peaceful moment of serenity. Their respite is interrupted by bubbles that quickly emerge in front of them near the wooden webs. The water looks like it's boiling and starts to move closer to the bank. The head of a reptavian kadu emerges, followed by a gungung on his large bipedal mount, water spilling onto the riverbank. Uyusa, the Gungan asks, lowering what appears to be a pike weapon. The Kadu mounts, snorts, and looks at them menacingly. Holding his hands in the air, Buck explains that they were sent by Tum Tum Wawa. Yusa Brenda Bakta? Tum Tum Wawa sent Yusa? Buck cautiously lowers his hands, gesturing towards Ted. We followed the beacon in Tum Tum's directions, says Buck. The Gungan seems to relax. Ah! Tum-Tum told you so well. Where he's a? Buck backs away from the river's edge as more Gungans also emerge on Kadu Mounts. Last we saw of him was when he attacked the Imperial blockade overhead, Buck says, pointing towards the sky. Buck introduces himself. The first Gungan replies formally. I am Captain Roos Tarples of Jangwa Base. As they all relax their guard, Buck shares their involvement in escorting Tum-Tum and other Gungans off Farstein through an Imperial blockade and through a second blockade. We have a data pad for you, Captain, says Buck. He hands Captain Tarples the data pad from Tum-Tum Wawa. Vod steps forward and brusquely demands that they are expecting compensation for their smuggling. Captain Tarples verified the data pad's authenticity, then eyes Vod, lip whiskers twitching. Oh, thanks. We pay you uh, 2,000 moolah. Vod takes a step back and spits, exclaiming, The deal was for 4,000 credits, not two. Buck holds up a hand to Vod, discreetly spraying a little special fish smell on his neck. He straightens his bolo tie and gently broaches the subject with the captain. He tells him about being part of the rebellion and of the dangerous escape from Farstein, only to emerge at another Imperial blockade in the sky above just to get Tum Tum and the cargo safely to Naboo. 
Captain Tarpauls takes this under consideration. Hmm. How's about Wisa give you uh, 3,000 credits and help you uh, repairing your ski beetle? Buck bows slightly. Your generosity is appreciated, Captain Tarples. The Gungan captain signals to the four other Gungan warriors who are mounted at attention. Mounts dripping. Take us back into your ski beetle and we shall repair in it, says the Nabooians. The party leads the Gungan entourage back to the Dewey. Vod opens the cargo bay door. There they are. They're all yours. Oh, Tompton did well. We appreciate Disa. The Kadu start bucking at their bridles as the Gungans quickly move to calm them. Shh, shh, what is it? They crane their ears. Off in the distance in the woods, there is a stepping and crunching. The ominously large footfalls and crashing get closer. A distance away in the mist, a large shape appears. It is an Imperial ATRT walker. There are also several Imperial scouts in green camouflage. One of them is holding a radio transponder. In a hushed voice, the Gungan captain whisper, These are the scout group that been harassing us. We saw wanton this of white shells off our backs. The scout carrying the radio transponder is walking in an arc, trying to hone in on the signal. He turns towards the Imperials behind him and holds two fingers up and points forwards. Two troopers walk towards the party and the concealed Dewey. Vada and Roquan disappear into the woods in different directions. The Kadu let out low snorts and shuffle uncomfortably. The troopers are slowly approaching the illusion of the mossy camouflage quite closely. Buck tucks behind the cover of the ship, and Ted dashes inside the cockpit. The two troops walking cautiously forward, approaching what appears to be a gigantic mossy rock. They start walking around it. Captain Tarpoles and the Gungans are holding the Kadu in an effort to calm them. Steady, steady. One of the troopers extends his hand to balance on the mossy rock, and his hand disappears into the projection. He quickly regains his balance. Sir, check this out. Other troopers gather, pushing into the mossy illusion. One stumbles entirely through the illusory rock and finds himself staring at Buck and the Gungans. The troopers are completely surprised, hesitating briefly before pulling out their weapons and firing at Buck, who's peeking from the corner of the ship. Their laser fire erupts the silence as blasts crash off into the jungle. Frightened, the jungle troopers stumble backwards, tripping over each other as they try to retreat. Captain Tarpal shouts, Wisa cannot let them escape or Jungwon base be finished. Jammin' their comms! Jammin' their comms! From the cockpit, Ted immediately identifies their communication frequency and is able to lock out Imperial transmissions. Bucks pops out from cover of the ship and fires his blaster at the cluster of jungle troopers. One of the troopers drops in a smoking heap. Vod, meanwhile, pushes quietly through the underbrush towards the ATRT, a second group of troopers, and the sergeant with the radio. Hearing the blaster shots coming from under the camouflage of Moss, the sergeant barks several orders to give tactical direction to the reserve troopers. Go into the mossy rock. It's an illusion. He clips the rangefinder onto his backpack and draws his weapon. The additional troopers rush forward under the veil to join their comrades. The Gungans at the rear of the ship charge forward. With blasters drawn, the Imperials release a volley of fire into the charging Gungans. One Gungan cries out as the blast to his chest knocks him off his feet, leaving a scorching wound. The remaining Gungans continue their charge and smash into the three scout troopers in a crash of bodies. 
The sergeant yells up to the walker, Go for help! We found the base! The trooper in the ATRT walker turns the vehicle to head off into the jungle. There is a gasp from Tarples as he sees the fleeing walker. He's a get in the way. Wiesa must not let him escape to warn in the others. A trooper closes the distance to sh- the ship and fires towards Buck. The blaster ricochets off the hull of the ship and hits the loading ramp controls, raising it closed. From the cockpit, Ted powers up the Dewey and begins to lift and accelerate the ship, nose downward, dragging the freighter low across the ground. Buck and several Gungans crouch low as it careens overhead. He uses the forward turret to release a barrage of quad laser fire at the fleeing walker. With pinpoint accuracy, the linked cannons smash into the walker. Mid-stride, the legs fly apart as the head blows off like a fiery rocket, crashing end over end into the thick forest. Ted strikes a direct hit. Vada erupts from cover, sprinting at the Imperial Sergeant. He leaps through the air, slicing downwards with his vibro-axe. The green armor splits across the back, leaving the Imperial gasping for breath. Seeing the AT-RT destroyed and now beset by a maniacal weak way, the Sergeant shouts for a full retreat. He pushes Vada aside and scrambles back towards the edge of the thick woods. Looking back, the Sergeant puts Vada in his sights and fires. Vada takes it across his shoulder and rolls to the ground and back up to his feet. Roquan aims his slug throw at the nearest cluster of Imperials. With one shot, he lines up and shatters two of the troopers' heads. The two remaining Imperials, not buried in Gungans, pulled back from fighting, leaving the headless bodies of their comrades behind in the brush. In their retreat, they chuck a grenade at Vod. It lands with a plop in the mud, but fails to detonate. At the edge of the clearing, the pilot of the destroyed AT-RT walker pulls himself out of the wreckage and stumbles towards the woods. Buck spots him in the distance and grabs the reins of a nearby kadu. He leaps onto the animal's back and kicks it forward towards Vod and the sergeant past the Gungan Imperial Melee. From the cockpit, Ted again fires a hail of blaster fire from the quad cannons of the group of fleeing Imperials behind the sergeant. They are obliterated in a spray of soil, plant, and gore. Ted loses control and banks away into the nearby forest. The ship crashes forward, smashing into the trees. Vod dashes forward at a sprint to catch the sergeant. As he swings, the sergeant stumbles back into the deep mud. Surprised, Vod loses his axe grip and it flies off into the brush. He smiles menacingly at the pinned Imperial sergeant. From the far end of the landing zone, Roquan fires at the sergeant in the distance. From several hundred feet away, the shot cuts through Vod's braid and into the sergeant's visor, liquidating his face within the helmet. The remaining Gungans stand atop the downed Imperials at the landing pad and drive their spears into the fallen troopers. One screams as he's impaled and the other crawls back horrified. Desperate, he pulls out a frag grenade, dropping it at his feet. For the Empire! The frag detonates in the crowd of Gungans as he backpedals away, sending the bodies of the Gungans smoking to the ground. Roquan pulls up his sights and centers on the scrambling scout who just dropped the frag. He fires all around him, causing the lone Imperial to stop in his tracks. The remaining Gungans, furious that the Imperial killed two of their brethren, stock up to the paralyzed trooper and shove a spear through his chest. From the backs of the galloping mount, Buck closes on the escaping ATRT pilot. He straightens his arm and aims into the deep woods. The blast hits, clipping the pilot's arm and sending him stumbling. Scrambling to his feet, he continues to push further into the safety of the forest. Buck pushes the Kadu closer, charging full gallop at the terrified remaining fleeing trooper. 
Buck fires again, striking a nearby branch, bursting it from the tree to strike the fleeing target across the back. Fod retrieves his vibroaxe, shouting words of encouragement to Buck. However, from the cockpit of the Kakamimi Dewey, half buried in the mud and muck, Ted fires the quad laser one last time at the remaining trooper exiting through the woods. As Buck is about to fire his blaster again, the strong blast from the DeWay quad cannon scream over his shoulders and obliterate the last Imperial trooper. Buck trucks back on his mount, greeted by cheers. Captain Tarple smiles at him. We're appreciating you's help. Oh boy, your ski beetle doesn't lookin' so good. Lookin' hair, lookin' hair. The cannons blew a hole in your holo's cover. You's a visible from space. We uh, should get some moving. He turns to Buck and hands him 3,500 credits. We uh, have lost some fine warriors, but we uh, have a mechanic that will help you, sir. Uh, but must uh, get some moving. Who knows what the scans from orbit will see? Buck accepts the fee for the back to transport and asks, Is there a safe place nearby to repair our ship? Tarple shakes his head. You ski bitle very big. As soon as Yusa Appa is to top, it be seen. With the help of the Kadu and the sleds, they begin to unload the Bacta from the awkwardly parked ship. Tarples looks up with macro binoculars and spots tie patrols high overhead and alerts the others. With encouragement from Roquan, Ted ignites the engine. They hum it somewhat unconvincingly. The Gungans finish unloading the Bacta and suggest they leave immediately. On the sensor panel, at the very long distance, a couple of blips appear high above. Ted calculates an escape route through the trees and begins to lift off. The DeWay's internal monitoring system suggests they are pushed close to system overload. Overhead, TIE fighters and their CR-90 Corvette Escort come into view. An incoming hail is heard. This is Corvette Long Arm. This sector is on lockdown. Please transmit your transponder code. Wayfair Class Freighter. What is your cargo and destination? Roquan jams the Imperial communication systems, acknowledging that the Corvette has recovered from the initial encounter. Vod tries to calculate the jump to Vergesso, but is overwhelmed. Sid asks as he enters the cockpit, This thing flies a bit more choppy than it used to. Think we can make the jump to hyperspace? Ted looks back over at their passenger. Yeah, not looking good. Uh, know anyone on Tatooine that can help us repair this ship? Sid nods. Sure. And Moss Isley, or maybe even Anchorhead, which is where I'm going. Another hail from the Corvette blares out. I repeat, this sector is on Imperial lockdown. Submit your code and shut down your engines, or you will be fired upon. Brace yourselves. We're going to try to punch it to Tatooine, warns Ted as he pulls their ship up into the stratosphere of Naboo. He calculates the jump and homes in on a jump coordinate. Did you get it? Asks Dodd. Yeah, we got this, says Ted. Give me a sec. Wayfarer class freighter, you will not deviate from your previous course. The Corvette Longarm is indeed back online. It changes course as it appears to have spotted the Dewey. Another small squadron of Ties is notified and starts to move in. Ted pushes the throttle forward and tries redirecting some of the power to cool the engines. The Ties speed up and start to close in on the freighter. Roquan uses the rear turret and aims for the distant Ties. His arcing shot glances the wing joint, bouncing it a bit but not managing to do any real damage to the pursuing Tie. At quite a far distance, the Corvette lobs blast from its turbo laser cannon. 
You must power down and cease moving, or you will be destroyed. The green blasts from the Corvette sail well wide of the way. Buck finds another firing solution and directs Roquan and Ted. Roquan fires an angry salvo directly into the midst of the oncoming ties, scattering them. A message pops up on Dewey's comm screen. This is Tom Tom Wawa. It looks like in recent shows wisely, you shall have proven yourselves to be such true warriors. On behalf of all three Gungans, you shall have our gratitude. May Oma Oma guide you's path. The alert for the hyperdrive blares and Ted reaches to engage. The furious Imperial commander barks over the comms. We know who you are. The commander's voice cuts out as the DeWay enters hyperspace towards Tatooine. <laughs>